So we're um, <clears throat> finding balance, alignment. <clears throat> First of all, there has to be the sense of what, what is to be balanced, um, bodily states, mind states, and bringing them into alignment. So you, you balance the body through full awareness of it, you know, and you feel it out, and you, you're sensitive to it. Your, your awareness enters your body, penetrate your body with awareness so you don't just have an idea of what a perfect posture is and then you just you know impose it on the body you feel out feel it out it's kind of penetrative <clears throat> it's the quality of awareness or wisdom discernment different words have different senses involved with them but they're all associated with this pajana panya sampajana Panya, it's often translated as wisdom, but it comes from the same root as Pajan, which is more awareness. So it's essentially not an intellectual quality, it's the kind of knowing, um, gnosis. It's like, you know, in the, in the, if you're familiar with the Western mystical traditions, there's a kind of, they often call it love, which means you, you rather than forming an idea about something, you really enter into it and feel it. From, from within, from itself. So it's this kind of Gnostic knowing. Mm. So you, you, you feel out. And then you can actually, it's, it's quite simple in a way because you're not dealing with concepts, you're just feeling it with pressure. And, and then these sense of the Four Noble Truths becomes very clear because you're just looking at where is there stress, tension, pressure, agitation, lack of support, yeah, and then what do you do about that? So on a, so on a physical level, an emotional level, an attitudinal level, to to bring the sense of balance and alignment, and then using the body as a base, as a kind of core practice, <coughs> then it, be, it begins. You begin to get a sense of where your attitudes and psychologies, how they affect. If you're too pushy if you're not focused, if you're not interested, if you're not giving attention, if you're just thinking it through and you're not really deepening, then it's not going to work. You don't get that same sense of balance. And when you get it right, you get these moments of feeling quite lifted, quite bright. And there's a mental or emotive effect around that. That's the alignment, and as you focus more and more on that alignment itself, that sense of centeredness, various kind of perceptual signs may occur, such as silence or brightness or luminosity or steadiness or just a kind of contented quality, you know, which is a like a resonance. So that's a sign. That's all, and um, it's accompanied generally by quality of refreshment and ease and then as you then the stabilizing within that is called ekagata which is one pointedness or stability you actually got a like about when you're in perfect balance you get that sense of yeah stable steady you feel that mm. that's first of all it's dependent upon particular actions that you do but as you know any kind of balance Eventually, you have to stop the actions, 
and just step back and see if it stands, teeters, and then just a little bit of action, and then step back, and then just a little bit, and step back. So it gets subtler. That's the process. Mm. Of course, sometimes it uh, doesn't stand. It's, you need quite a lot of um, action to to get it right, get it lined up. But you're looking at alignment, you see, rather than, you know, um, anything else. Firstly, just getting alignment that you you tune in. Because there's a natural sense of that. You know, it, because it's stable, the, the, our, our minds look for stability, a position, a standpoint. They look for a sense of ease. But you can't impose it. You can support it and then you've got to feel it. So it's this movement towards full awareness is very significant, the ability to do that. Now, I've just taken some quotes from the canon just to give some, hopefully some inspiration and not too much feeling of uh, confusion, because the language is, of course, is quite rich. But this is a very nice um, The Ananda Sutta, Book of the Nines, 37. And I'll try to abbreviate it. So, Venerable says, It is amazing, it is marvelous how the Blessed One has attained to recognize the opportunity for purification of beings, ending of suffering, realization of Nibbana, where the eye will be and forms will be, and yet one will not be sensitive to that dimension. By sensitive, uh, I take it means being affected, you know, sort of a sense of being attracted or repelled. One isn't picking up a charge. The ear will be, the sounds will be, the nose will be, aromas will be, tongues will be, flavors will be, body will be, tactile sensations will be. One will be percipient of that, but one will not be sensitive to that. Then he goes on to various other more formless dimensions such as the realms of infinite space and so on. And basically the same refrain, refrain occurs. One is percipient, but one is not sensitive to that. That is one, you know, you, you get it, but you're not being affected by it. And he says, once when I was in the Saketa, the game refuge in the Black Forest, the nun Jatila Bhagika went to where I was staying, and she said to me, this concentration whereby neither pressed down nor forced back, nor with sankharas kept blocked or suppressed, 
still as a result of release, contented as a result of standing still, and as a result of contentment, one is not agitated. This concentration is said by the Blessed One to be the fruit of what? I said to her, Sister, the concentration whereby neither pressed down nor forced back, nor with fabrications, sankharas kept blocked or suppressed, still as a result of release, contented as a result of standing still, and as a result of contentment one is not agitated. This concentration is said by the Blessed One to be the fruit of Gnosis, Anya, Anyapala. So this is another one of these wisdom words, Anya. It's really associated with um, Aryan realizations such as stream entry and non-return and so on. So it's, it's actually a, 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 a liberation realization. This is another way of being percipient, one who is not sensitive to that dimension. So you, you're with something, but you're not being moved by it. So that's, there's the balance. It's not that you're not percipient. <laughs> mm. The another one of a similar nature, the Book of the Elevens, number nine, the case sunder where for a superior person the perception of earth with regard to earth has ceased to exist, the perception of water with regard to water, and so on and so on and so on. Um, the superior person meditates dependent neither on earth, water, fire, air, wind, fire or wind, infinite space, infinite consciousness, and so on. Not on this world, the next world, not whatever is seen, heard, sensed, cognized, attained, sought after, or pondered, and yet they do meditate. And, the, and to the superior person meditating in this way, the gods together with Indra and the, pay homage even from afar. Homage to you, O superior one. What you're meditating upon, we've got no way of knowing. We can't get it. What's your object? What are you, what are you focused on? <laughs> and, you know, the sense really, I would take it as one is focused on the sense of balance, which is you're aware, but you're not affected, engaged. That's, that's balance, isn't it? You know, there's no pressure, there's no pushing away, there's no holding on. Mm, so, and then that, you know, that rem- that's the kind of point that we may kind of touch occasionally, and then for the uh, uh, fully developed person, then that's become a real basis. You know, they have balance in all realms. You know, in all modes, in all dimensions. Within it, but not of it. Mm. All of these are, these dimensions are what come to mind or one consciousness brings in. Consciousness is uh, uh, not not a thing; it just means being conscious of. Being what is conscious of, um, it's like the uh, say a coil of rope or a lasso or a lariat. You know, you you fling it, 
and it loops in, you fling it around a cow, you bring back a cow, you fling it around a banana, you bring a banana, you fling it around um, a thought, you bring back a thought, you fling it around a visual object, you bring back a visual object. It does that. The lariat itself, the rope, has got no particular quality apart from the ability to, to wrap around things, to bring them to you. That's its only property. What really counts is how you throw it, where you throw it, what you have in mind. This is where it's in the sense of the balance. It's not pure. It's a, certainly a matter of, of um, you know, focus and poise. But it's also a matter of discernment as to the quality of intention. Hmm. So when there is intention based upon uh, passion or greed, then you throw the lariat like that, and what you bring back is. T- is tainted in that particular way when it's affected when you throw the lariat with um, aversion you know then you bring back aversion objects of aversion and we can probably recognize that you know when one's mind is irritable then your consciousness brings up all the things that can annoy you you know you see it and it becomes an obsession mm. So little bits that you, you know you miss lots of other bits. You just remember the particular incidents or the moments or the things that haven't been done, not even the things that have occurred, but the things that haven't happened. You know, you notice that it never happens. So even a non-event becomes an event because of the nature of of the throw, the lariat has been thrown in that particular way, and it can be thrown on this stage of con- this station of consciousness, which is you know, the ordinary realm of form or the realm of subtle form. There are said to be, I think, seven stages of consciousness. So uh, forgive me for not listing them all, but basically the bit is it's either, you know, on a kind of fairly gross level, physical form or subtle form or refined form, formlessness and so forth. You know, so you could, consciousness could be of lights and radiance or it could be a formlessness. Mm. That's the stage. That's the that's the station, and still within that, the throw could come from passion or aversion, on refined levels. Um, so, and so that eventually, you know, leads to uh, uh, an inclination and, and being affected and being sensitive to the. the what's on that particular level. You know, we become affected by the world of gross form, confused by it, trying to find something within it, repelled by it, rejecting it. You know, we keep in the cage of that particular thing. You know, so wherever you th- throw the lariat in terms of passion or aversion or illusion, delusion, and, and then the cage, it becomes, you get trapped in it. So, so you know, because you always bring back these, these effects that stimulate um, more and more perceptions and meanings in those terms. You look at things in terms of sensual attraction, then you get this, all that arises in that particular way. We look at things in terms of... of um, um, you know, whatever, you know, whatever one's bent of one's mind is. Mm. The particular 
tendency of one's mind, the particular basis that's going on. Mm. So then, then it brings back those particular things. One becomes engaged with that. The, the, the lariat ends up wrapped around your own, one's own neck. That's why it's really important to, you know, whatever level of, of consciousness one's at, whenever one practices, you always keep working on the fundamental sense of, of goodwill and non-aversion and renunciation. You know? Even at just kind of most basic level of functioning, that's the, that's the practice. It's, it's very much, you know, based upon a dualism of what's skillful and what's unskillful. This is the 38th sutra of the 12th chapter of the Sangyutta Nikaya, Jetana. What one intends, what one arranges, and what one obsesses about is a support for the stationing of consciousness. There being a support, there is a landing of consciousness. When that consciousness lands and grows, there is a reproduction of renewed becoming in the future. When there is the production of renewed becoming in the future, there is future birth, aging and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress and despair. If one doesn't intend and doesn't arrange but still obsesses about something, this is a support for the stationing of consciousness. There being a support, there is a landing of consciousness. Where that consciousness lands and grows, there is the production of renewed becoming in the future. And so on. But when one doesn't intend, arrange, or obsess about anything, there is no support for the stationing of consciousness. There being no support, there is no landing of consciousness. When consciousness doesn't land and grow, there is no production of renewed becoming in the future. Different kind of obsessions or anutsaya, latent tendencies, which may not necessarily be immediately obvious, but they're because the, these are kind of reflex flow, flows, the twitches that happen. A lot of this stuff is just, you know, um, so there's deliberate intention, but there's also latent tendencies that get triggered. Uh, and you d- but so it's not just a matter of what one deliberately decides upon, but also just what's, what's present in your own little karmic pot to come bubbling up. These are the, the, ten- the nutsaya, tendency of sense, passion, resistance, views, uncertainty, conceit, passion for becoming, and ignorance. So it's often, as we practice, it's only really through recognizing, you know, the, the suffering and stress, okay, what's happened here, and then you, you begin to acknowledge the, um, the nature of the throw that took you there, that happened. And... Um, so that is really, you know, understanding imbalance. So awareness. 
awareness of intention, awareness of the push, the throw, the twitch when it happens. And how you come, how you relax that. Because balance has to be returned to And essentially the movement to balance will always be that which leads to the diminution of effort, the diminution of action, the the refinement of that. So, you know, you may suddenly have to grab yourself and, hey, hold on, wait a minute, check, pull back. And then you keep looking for that sense of, where am I sensible? (laughs) Rather than obsessed. Uh, so you come to your senses. Sometimes it's rather like when somebody's in a panic, all you have to do is actually just pat them on the back a little bit and they just the very fact of feeling a, sen- a stable, steady presence, you kind of reorient around that and you come out of the, the madness of the, of the mind. So this is why we, we do re- I do really recommend having this reference to the breathing in, breathing out body coming back to that wherever one's at and giving it the time to to come to, to one's senses and it will always be you know beginning maybe some determined effort and then gradually you know like wise reflection in other words deliberate thinking considering uh, tuning in asking yourself What's happening here? Is this going to be good for me or not? Is this skillful or not? Is this, uh, you know, uh, and very much in terms of just the four noble truths, rather than what I should be as a nun or a monk. You know, I shouldn't be thinking these thoughts. That's not going to get very far. Uh, but just so that doesn't do it. You know, it maybe does a little bit, but it recognises it's unskillful or or it isn't in line with what my commitments, what I've really determined for myself, so something's going wrong here. And then we come to awareness of dukkha. So whenever you come to full awareness of that dukkha, this is called wisely understanding. Mm-hmm. So long wise attention looks for it, and wise understanding of panya, pajanati, you get the sense of that. When you sense sore, strife, chafing, strangling, suppressed. Wait. Breathe in, breathe, you know, whatever it is, your stable sign, breathing in, breathing out, or whatever your basis for that stability is, just be with that. And then there's a kind of, sometimes a little shiver or a, a release, and you sort of come back to upright again. Of course, you do have to put in the work to, to get the reference, the stable reference. And fundamentally, as long as it's stable and accessible, you don't want to make something that's so 
refined, you can only get there on a good day maybe once a year. You want something that's kind of, you know, handy, portable. Mm. This is why it doesn't really matter too much about the stage of consciousness, whether it's infinite space or just uh, earth, fire, air, water. But notice that it, it does, even its basis, earth, fire, air, water, is still a reference to subtle energy. You know, to rather than me, you, him, her, today, tomorrow, it's actually the feeling of solidity, the feeling of fire, vitality, you know, that kind of arousal, vitalization experience. This is, so you begin to refer to the subtle energy. Mm. Because then it, it, it keeps you in, in a dimension in which you can sense balance or imbalance when you're burning up or you feel rigid or you feel blown away or you feel just a soggy heap. You know, there's no firmness, and no, no, no sense of definition. Then, wait a minute, something's not right here. Mm. And in the body you'll find these elements. That's why we use body because essentially on, on a subtle level this is exactly what body is experienced as so you know you can refer to that and they, they are they have your bottom line if you like of of balance of the elements so there's a full awareness of that There's another nice little piece here um, about consciousness and awareness or wisdom. As I say, the words move around from translator to translator. But this is in the 43rd Sutra of the Majima. Wisdom and consciousness, friends, or I'm saying awareness and consciousness, friends, these states are conjoined. Are these states conjoined or disjoined? Otherwise, are they the same thing or separate? Is it possible to separate these states from each other to describe the difference between them? Then the answer, wisdom and consciousness, these states are conjoined, not disjoined. It is impossible to separate each of these states from the other in order to describe the difference between them. Or what one wisely understands, that one cognizes. Or what one cognizes, that one wisely understands. That is why these states are conjoined, not disjoined. And it's impossible to separate each of these states from the other in order to describe the difference between them. Then what is the difference, friend, between wisdom and consciousness? These states that are conjoined and not disjoined. The difference between wisdom and consciousness is this. Wisdom is to be developed, consciousness is to be fully understood. It just, it just kind of, some of this stuff just blows me away, really. Just. <laughs> it's, so, it's so succinct. <laughs> you what happened? What happened? <laughs> just dunk. Wisdom is to be developed, consciousness is to be fully understood. Now, the play there is, of course, that actually fully understand and wisdom and awareness, they're the same word. So in other words, you could say 
awareness is developed, consciousness is to be fully aware of. You know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we look at consciousness as, as the loop, the lariat, the lasso that brings things in. You know, you say wherever there's that, there is full awareness. You know, and you think, well, really, you know, because sometimes I'm conscious of things I feel totally confused, scrambled, infatuated, distracted, irritated, fed up, annoyed, you know, obsessed. You mean that's full? That's wisdom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why is it wisdom? Because you know you're full. You're obsessed, cantankerous, <laughs> annoyed, disappointed. That's called being. That's that has to be developed. You know, so that consciousness is to be understood. I mean, there's always a, a rudiment of, of of wisdom in any quality of consciousness. That's what he's saying. But you have to develop it. So when you feel the sense of not getting anywhere, fed up, this practice doesn't work for me. Ah. There's wisdom there, or awareness there. Now, this, but this is where the words can tie one up because it doesn't mean, you know, you're a blazing genius. It means you're aware of that. There is an awareness of that at the moment. It's shaking around with frustration and all kinds of effects, and so on, and so on. So, just to be fully aware of that in a non-reactive way. Hold your so that as soon as one is, it's like turning the light on when you come into the room. I want to see this darkness more clearly, so I'll turn the light on. Oh, where did it go? <laughs> but what is to be what he's saying is that consciousness is to be fully understood. Not that you obsess with the perceptions, the signs, the proliferations, the storylines, the sense of who one is and what one isn't, but you really focus on being conscious of that. Holding that, being with that. You bring, so that means, say, embodying it, bringing your body presence into it, feeling the heart state within that. And you feel for the balance of be just being present with, so that the mental agitation, the proliferations, the storylines fade. If you're aware of the conscious of being conscious of that. (coughs) Not running away, not closing down. So everything we, all the skillful means that we can muster, you know, in terms of resolve and patience and energy and supportive uplift and concentration, one-pointedness, you know, that, that exercise in strengthening the ability to stand on one point. And the one point you stand on here is, is consciousness. 
not the effects. Hmm. Another big uh, tendency, latent tendency, is the self-view. Why view is so important, and in a way, one way of summarizing Nibbana is the blowing out of the self-view, is that the self-view is essentially the way that consciousness, you throw it out, and what pulls it back, what pulls it back, what pulls that loop back towards, that's the self-view, isn't it? Maybe it's thrown out with some kind of, you know, passion or aversion or wanting, and it's pulled back as. That's the view. That's got an amazing energy to it. Pulls everything back. This is how we just keep, you know, tipping stuff onto ourselves. You, you know, it's like you pull everything back onto yourself, onto yourself. And uh, this again is the tendency to conceit, self-view. I am, I'm in this. Sometimes with the pleasant ones, it's the wow effect. Wow, I'm in this, fantastic, I've got one of these. And then that will always bring with it the the groan of when I'm not. Mm. So this is a very fundamental tendency of imbalance. One of the things it's said about, you know, Sariputta, he said when he's in first jhana, second, whatever he's in, no, he doesn't get any sense of I'm in this, or this is mine. It's because that, that, that has been finished, that pulling things back has been finished as a basic imbalance. So that, that sense of dispassion is very important to cultivate. So the awareness has to be developed in terms of of detachment, dispassion, so that we can be more as fully present, rather than the throwing things out, pulling things back, rather than throwing that. So the intention. Another development is when the intentionality becomes less and less and less until it stops. This is balance. No intention, no obsession. Mm. Now one thing we can, uh, you come to, you come to these scenarios in, in the mind where you know, the, the, you've pulled all this stuff you know, the stuff is just tumbling on top. Uh, so, you know, you've got a huge nexus of problems and concerns, and this isn't that, isn't it? I never did this and that and the other. There's a kind of whole result of it, of that. And then it's helpful to just um, focus on the very self view itself. Who do you feel? What do you feel like? Hmm. What have you brought back home? You know, who, who pulled that in? So when you're being blamed or you feel a lot of blame or disappointment in your life, and what do you feel like? Do you feel small, 
misunderstood, oppressed, starved. You know, can you get a, even an image of who that persona is? This is a, another way of, of getting very more direct with the results. Or when it's you, um, when one is controlling things, you know, who you feel like. You feel like a oh, kind of a supremo of some kind, or genius, or these kinds of things, a king or a warrior. Whatever. These are these are signs that that are you want to actually release. You don't want to be stuck with being something. Sometimes what we end up stuck with is being pathetic or being the misunderstood or being the victim or being that kind of a person so you can feel this little little being there. Sometimes it seems like it's got some history to it. There she is again, there he is again. Still stuck there, still being the one who didn't get the point or the left out one or the one who's never listened to or the one who can't make it or the one who is a bit of a failure or whatever. You kind of, well, who is that? Who is that person? Yeah. So you get directly to that person, you, then again what tends to happen is that something arises when you actually contact yourself. This, these notional selves, these virtual selves that we carry around. Quality of um, compassion. Just noticing uh, you know, common theme, I imagine, for a many of us that uh, you know, never quite make it, never quite good enough. When you're in this kind of uh, scenario with Buddhas and Arahants and people nipping out into the realm of infinite consciousness for a lunch break every now and then, and you think, God, oh, I'm not even getting off the ground, you know. <laughs> Well, I haven't really made it, and uh, so that sense. And uh, as far as I can see, one it never gets to the end of that one because it's it's a it's a sort of stuck piece. It's never quite made it. It's it's born as that. It's, a, it's identity is to never quite make it. That's what it is. That's the little piece of identity, the never quite make it identity, or never remotely make it identity. The pathetic, out of touch identity, the you know misunderstood or unloved or second rate. You know that that sense. Wow, who's that? You know. So, you know, you may not. You're sort of aware of that. Then you bring your awareness to that place. There's suffering. 
is to be understood, is to be made fully aware of. in this non-reactive way. See what happens. That's the, that's the method. Supports for awareness is the mindfulness, concentration, kindness, these the supports that help to stop running away from yourself, to stop jumping over oneself, to stop trying to be something else, and also to find the place in your in your domain where you feel stable, and then from there you begin to unravel the tangle of disappointment of loss, of unfulfilledness. Whoever he, she may appear as, however it forms. With the freeing up of that, the release of that, there's the possibility to review and see how was that built up from a particular tendency that picked up this point and that point and this point and that point and this and it made a little pattern and it didn't bother with that point and that point and that it didn't bother with the goodness or the integrity or the sincerity or the generosity or the compassion or the it didn't bother with that, it just picked up the you know the bad health the, you know, whatever it was the kind of just pick, that's becoming, that's the pattern maker and it makes these patterns of self it links up the dots and there's this tendency, the, confu- the pain tendency, the confusion tendency, the obsession tendency looks for particular points dependent on the kind of distorted intentionality there is in the mind, the reflex there is in the mind, the, the aversion or the passion or the self-views. And it's sent out, the lariat throws, gets thrown around particular points and that's the consciousness brings that in as a consciousness that's looking to become something it's a, it's concerned with becoming with forming patterns so it brings things in in that particular way with that tendency but if there is no tendency to form a pattern no interest in forming a pattern no concern about becoming this or that in the future the present or the past then that pattern tendency that becoming form that self-forming doesn't have to occur. As long as it does occur, for good or for bad, one will be in the net.
So it's just really to, to develop awareness and to understand consciousness, how it operates, how it is operated. Mm. So its real concern is to find this stability, which is not through suppression, resistance, craving, passion, self-view, conceit, becoming, forming patterns. That's why it is subtle in some ways. We might say, in your, in your own practice, notice where there isn't. There's a little slogan, just a little bit. Notice where there isn't the pressure. Notice where there isn't the drive or the push. Notice those, those gaps. Those, that's, you tune to that, that's, that's the sign Balance. Balance is a, a sense of something not happening. It can't be patterned. It's not localized. But you can be. You can experience it through what what is not there. That's why you can't. You can't be discerned. It can't be tracked because it's something that isn't there. 